Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm just going to dive right in because <laughs> I feel like we we do spend a lot of time at the beginning of an episode doing our, our weekly recaps and guys, there's a lot to unpack because today, today is, what is the date? It is the 25th of June and if you remember, by the time you guys listen to this, you might remember some pretty interesting news that has been broken today about a certain bachelor. <laughs> and I don't like that you just referred to him as a bachelor. <laughs> the one and only Matt Hancock, absolute celeb, pandemic celeb. He is the he's like that one of the OG COVID celebrities because yeah, this man has has made a career out of the pandemic. We've now learned that he's so he's essentially having an affair with like this aid woman. I don't know what she is if she's like a assistant or an aide. I don't really know what that is, but anyway. So there's this picture. The I feel like I need some sort of um, compensation for having viewed this picture. It was it was thrust upon my eyes against my will. I stumbled upon it accidentally of him kissing this woman breaking social distancing obviously honestly it's a horrifying image i really like i saw someone i saw someone on twitter saying like how is matt hancock like with that hairline got like two birds on the go and i'm at home i'm full-on wife material and absolutely no happen i mean this is why i'm getting really fed up with this whole covid situation and guys i'm not a covid denier but i'm getting really fed up of following these really restrictive rules for the past year and a half when the people making the rules clearly aren't even following them and taking I mean that's just taking the piss isn't it like come on these people there was a guy on the radio today saying that like you know there's been people that haven't been able to start any sort of relationship haven't been able to see their loved ones and he's starting an affair no Matt Hancock is waiting picked up an hour and he's like oh I mean obviously this, I've been single my full life, guys. Okay, I, I am that person, right? I'm that friend. <laughs> and of course, I'm not saying that, like, you know, I didn't have anything. You know, obviously, I didn't have anything going before the pandemic started. So obviously, this is a huge delay to my to my love life, romantic life. You know, and it, he's managed to get another one on the go. He's 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 sped up. He's sped things up. I just, it's yeah. It really that baffled me today. That was quite quite the the start to the weekend that I wasn't expecting um I, just, I didn't think this guy I I honestly thought this guy was like I, I've, I've seen him around like female reporters and honestly sometimes he looks like he's never been around a woman before like he there's something about the way that like, he stands and the way he like stares at people I'm like do, have you been around other human beings before he's just like, so he's, like what's the like I don't even know how to describe the way he looks like. He genuinely just has an uncomfortable being. Yes, I feel there's just the energy is so uncomfortable. It's the same kind of, it's like the Mark Zuckerberg, you oh. look like you were built in a lab, like that type of thing. The way he like, looked at his trial, I've never seen oh a scarier looking. It was genuinely like the shaved back the front of his head. His eyes had been glued open. The, yeah, they literally like you know in Mr. Bean when he like <laughs> he, he, he gets the toothpicks on his eyes, it's like that. Um, and then wasn't was was it a part? Was it in his trial when like he was? It was that um, AOC was um, asking him a question and he like proper fluffed an answer and then he like turned to the camera as if he was like on the office or something. 
he's always done that to fellow she like interviews and stuff like I went through this when I watched the social network right I mm. then was like this is so interesting so I watched this documentary on him and he constantly does that like he'll say something then he'll just turn and like, yeah. just, like look into the distance and I'm just like it's very Matt Hancock vibes and like see that yeah. photo right I got sent it this morning it was the first thing I woke up to not what I wanted to wake up oh, to this God. morning right <laughs> so I appear because like I hadn't read the caption yet it was on Instagram so I was pure staring at the photo and I was like who is that and I was like that's a really like straight off the bat before I even knew who it was I was like that is an uncomfortable way to hold a woman right oh yeah yeah I was like why is his arm genuinely like so far down like it's so yeah. long it's it so like, long a sloth arm and then I read it below it no my fa- my literal oh. favorite thing to come out of this is the fact that he had to do a press statement and at the start he had to apologize for breaking COVID guidelines oh my gosh I know it's like I I can't I don't even know where to begin it's honestly just the hypocrisy is truly sickening um and yeah so there you go guys that's just if you if you were feeling bad about being single well I don't even know how this makes me feel you that it is though how has Matt Hancock and I'm not I can get right guys and I'm not meaning to judge but even looks I can get some people look past if they look really charismatic like looks aren't everything like has per- it's like it's yeah it's, it is it's it's very wet dressing gown sleeve oh that's oh yeah that's what i'm getting here um yeah she's a good looking woman as well i've not actually seen much of her um i feel i mean i feel for his wife it's it's all i mean it's like that how has boris johnson had like five wives oh my I, god i, I don't boris think John- it's that many like that's not I, I, i'm not gonna that was a joke for legal reasons not to me um <laughs> But he's obviously, we know he's had a lot of affairs. Like that, that's, again, legal reasons, that's a joke. Um, but like, you know, have you seen, we've all seen Boris. Like, I, you know, and his wife, what's her name? Carrie? Is it Carrie? Carrie? Yeah, Carrie. She's, she's a nice looking, she does, she's quite a pretty, you know. But he just, he looks a bit like a scarecrow. It's just like he is one of the men like you know when you're in like a like and not once again not to generalize but you're in like i can oh i love an old man's pub don't get me wrong right? <laughs> but you know when you're in like just that kind of sketchy pub and like it's normally yeah. when you're on a pub crawl and like you've just stopped off and like you go in and it's like as if they've never seen like females yeah. before and like you go up to the bar and they just like put their hand a wee bit too low down. It's, it's like, too, yeah, and their fingers are dead like chubby and like it's like it was. Stout. It reminds me of like you know when because me and you both used to work. Well, you kind of still do, but we both used to work in hospitality. And like when it got to quite late on, you know, things were starting to like close, and there was always that guy that was like there, just a wee bit too late, and maybe had a wee bit too much to drink. You know, the kind of like the uncle that you have to bring, like and like the tie know. was like a wee bit too loose. Oh, yeah. like, oh, <laughs> like it was just you knew, like before you would even walk over to the table, you knew, you knew. yeah, <laughs> like that's the vibes that Boris Johnson gives me. Yes. So before we um, start to analyse all the other members of um, the government, there's not much else because there's not much else been happening for me right now. Um, it's been it's been a pretty chill week, I think. Although last week I forgot something quite significant, so I'm trying to remember if there if there was anything significant that I've forgotten. But I don't think there has been. Um, it's been a weird. This month has been weird. I feel like it's been a weird limbo month. Like there's not. I really agree with that. Like, yeah. see how even at the start of this, when you were like, "What date is it?" I was like, mm, I, "I don't know." know. Like, yeah. I think because 
when like at the end of May when everything kind of started to open again and things were opening later and we could have drinks and stuff it was like we need to get out we need to go out you're just going out constantly and now it's just like like I don't know what to do like I think there was like a week or two in May where I genuinely did forget I had responsibilities and was just out and then after that kind of one two weeks were genuinely like I think I just lost my being Mm -hmm. I was a bit like I don't really like I just didn't I feel like a bit of a shell of myself I'm yeah, like, I'm, back. Like, I'm, I'm very tired I'm very I think I need to repair I do think you forget because like I used to be that person right that was like you'd go out on a Friday go out to like three four in the morning get up mm. and go to their 10 o'clock like shift and like which finished at like seven right like I used to totally be that person and see now no, no. I'm no. not that person like and I, and I wonder I was like talking to my mum about it and I was like is it just because I'm old mum like no it's because you've been in lockdown for a year she was like you're used to genuinely like if I have one thing to do in a day I'm like oh my god like it it, you know I'm like flat out I'm so exhausted every day from like one responsibility um so yeah I think it is just locked in because I remember like being at uni and we would have like one, I would have one seminar in a day and I'd actually be exhausted after it. <laughs> like, but yeah, I think just being in lockdown, you're obviously not, you're not used to having to leave the house much and stuff. And then it just like proper takes out of you when you do. Um, so yeah, that's basically the roundup, unless you've got anything more exciting to report. No, I'm the same. Um, it's just been one of those weeks, isn't it? Yeah, it's a weird one. I think, one, I, th- I don't know, maybe now, maybe, because I can't believe we're almost in July. Oh stop! That's made me feel a bit. I I feel just where is it all? How I don't understand how this is all happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird time. I mean, I know we always say that, like, oh, I can't believe it's so you know June or July already, but I really can't. It's it's going a bit too fast. I don't like it. Like that just means it's getting closer and closer to me being twenty two. Oh stop! Which. I don't I've not I've not I've still not fully processed the fact that I'm 21 sometimes I still think I'm 20 sometimes I think I'm like 17 so I don't know I would definitely say sometimes in my mindset I still think I'm 17 like, yeah I there's still... no there's not one single part of me that feels old enough to be able to say that I have a degree and that I'm not I have responsibilities like yeah I just don't I still definitely but then I think as well like is that not what your 20s is for I think it is people I've, I've heard a lot of people say that you know your 20s everyone thinks your 20s are this you know fun time where you're, you're getting your life sort, sorted out and all that no one has a bloody clue what we're doing and it's just like I'm just I'm just I'm just vibing I'm just here I'm I just do like, wish, you know. like someone had told me that like I obviously yeah. when I get into that realization but like I do think I was talking to my sisters and stuff the other day and we were all just like, agreeing we were just like you never really get to a point because obviously like they totally that like one works full time one's in uni and obviously I've just left mm-hmm. and we all just agreed we're like yeah so it never gets to the point where you agree that yeah like that you've I have got everything a- sorted I don't I definitely don't have my shit together right now and if you don't listener at home don't worry because none of us have a clue what we're doing um but we're we you know we've survived a pandemic for the most part we're not at the end yet which i can't wait there. to burden my children with oh my, honestly i'm one of those people that's like i don't know if i want to have kids but the only one of the main reasons i would have kids now is just to be able to say like oh you're bored you don't know boredom i know i know boredom <laughs> do okay. you know what it was like to be locked in the house and then be like 
I was I was locked in my house. Matt Hancock would stare at me through the window to make sure I didn't leave. <laughs> Do you know what I was subjected to? People collapsing in the street, bodies just bang everywhere. It, yeah, I'm gonna really I'm gonna really bring that home. It's like you know, you know, when you wouldn't eat your dinner and your mum would be like, They're starving children. Oh my god. No, my my mum still does that to me. <laughs> Literally <laughs> I've just moved home because like I've just moved out my flat. So I come back over my parents and like if I send back, like I'm vegging my parents are mum does like cooking like that, but if I send back something that like I send back since like, I'm in a restaurant. And I was like, what is this a restaurant? <laughs> like, if you're the down cooking household. But like say because I don't finish my dinner, my mum will come through and be like, that is terrible. She's like, and then she started like riding her day like getting food. Obviously, because I'm not used to me being there all the time. Mum yeah. was like, she's like, this is quite expensive. I'd forgotten what this was like. And I was like, oh, okay, no bother. She was like, you better be eating all that. Like, oh my okay. goodness. Oh, um, so yeah, that never ends as well. I don't think. Yeah, I know. I'm excited to be using that against my future children. Um, but yeah, that's basically that's basically us. Somehow we've made it this far, and. We're going to dive right in. This is a, it's a kind of slightly different episode this week. Um, it's it is, it's not so much a case, would you say? Would you agree? Yeah, I, like when I was doing the like looking it up and stuff, I did think like it was definitely a wee bit different. It's kind of what we've talked about doing for a while. Like we always say yeah. that we want to do something a bit different and that's what I kind of felt this was. So we're taking that opportunity to try something a little bit different and it's very relevant which you'll probably I mean you'll have read the title so you'll know what I'm trying to talk you'll know what I'm saying um but I am going to throw in and I I felt funny putting a note in here because it was like probably all our episodes would have some sort of warning like this but I am going to just throw in a little trigger warning content warning just for this episode because we will be discussing some instances of homophobia transphobia um and with it being pride month I just wanted to throw that out there just so that you guys are, you know, if that's something that you do struggle to listen to and you don't want to listen to, that's totally fine. Um, but it did feel a bit weird because we literally talk about people getting like murdered and we're not, we're like just getting dive right in, we're not giving much of a warning. But you know, this is a crime podcast, so you could kind of accept, expect yeah. that. But um, I did just want to throw that in there because, um, yeah, just so that you guys can fully know. But we are going to get right into it. We hope you guys like this slightly different um, topic. And uh, yeah, we'll stop babbling on because I feel like we've talked a lot already. So here we go. So this month, as I'm sure you're all aware, is Pride Month. A month where we celebrate the LGBTQ plus community, educate ourselves on its history and embrace each other for who we truly are. And while great strides have been made for gay rights and equality, there is still a lot of work to be done, which is why Pride Month is so important. The majority of countries in the world still do not permit same-sex marriage. It's prohibited in 168 of the world's 195 countries. That is a staggering number that I wasn't I even aware of. I am shocked. I didn't know that, yeah. genuinely. I... I was didn't know that it was still so many countries that still prohibited same-sex marriage um and homosexuality is a criminal offense in over 60 countries and in some warrants capital punishment 
One of the most glaringly obvious examples of discrimination that took place in the UK is the focus of this week's episode. In May of 1988, the Conservative government introduced a distressing piece of legislation which would spark outcry from the LGBTQ community. Section 28 of the Local Government Act stated that local authorities were prohibited from intentionally promoting homosexuality and prohibited teachers and schools from the teaching of acceptability of homosexuality as a pretended family relationship. That line at the end, I don't know why, really pisses me off because it just like emphasises so much like how it's like a pretend Yeah, family. it's the word pretend really just as if it's like it's not a real family, like a pretended family, as if they're like, it's like playing house and it's like make-believe. Yeah, as if like... Themselves. It's a lie. Like I feel the fact yeah. that was in legend. Like it's not obviously it's bad enough like, they're saying yeah. prohibiting, but it's they just to emphasise, like dig the knife in a bit deeper. Exactly. The section was introduced with the objective of prohibiting the promotion of homosexuality by local authorities. It was championed by Gail Knight, who was at the time was part of the child protection unit which is worrying that that was like one of her like main like justifications because she thought it was protecting children. Diane Abbott, who, side note, is an absolute real legend. We do love Diane. We stand. Like, honestly, we... that mojito gate. Is, ad- yeah, <laughs> that would just, anytime I hear her name, that's just what I'm going to think of. <laughs> like, actually, you, Diane, you should go home at five o'clock on a Tuesday you, and get a mojito can out. You get that can out, hen. You deserve it, okay? Go on. <laughs> Um, and I love the fact that, like, from the beginning, she's always, like, protested things like this. Even, like, I don't mean, like, now it's, like, popular too, but obviously now it's so much more accepted. Yeah. Whereas yeah, back, back then, then, that would have been really controversial for her to, or to anyone, you know, for anyone to object to something like this. And she did object to this. She said the law was contrary to human rights. However, our concerns weren't ignored. It was actually the first homophobic law introduced in over 100 years, and as a result of the section, LGBT groups and clubs had to separate. LGBT-themed books were also removed from libraries and basically any positive representations of LGBT people, eh, sorry, people were not given in schools. And horrifically, teachers couldn't even intervene to stop bullying um, against LGBT students. Councils would lose funding if they were found to be promoting LGBTQ plus issues in school and at this time like as as people all know schools were stripped of resources enough Margaret Thatcher who do you know what I mean like she was called milk snatcher like there was a reason for oh it God. <laughs> she was prime minister at the time and stated that children needed to be taught so children needed to be taught to respect traditional moral values and are being taught that they have the inal- sorry inalienable an inalienable right to be gay. All of those children are being cheated of a sound start in life. Like, as if being gay puts you at a disadvantage for a good life. It really just, that whole statement, say, you know, as if, oh, they're being taught that they have this right to be gay. Well, so what would, why is that such a tragedy if they, if they do, like, what? what? It oh, makes so no sense. And Theresa May even spoke out defending the rule, stating that most parents want the comfort of knowing that Section 28 is there. Like, I don't, how can that bring you any comfort? How, how can you, like, 
I'm sorry, but how does that that really it, I find that quite distressing if that is an actual if that was a thing in law like how would that bring you comfort if they're literally trying to erase a whole community of people because they're totally you know you're not allowed to promote promote I, I they use this term promote I want to talk about this because they say you know you can't be promoting homosexual behavior or anything like that but just educating students or just having a book about gay people in a library that is not promoting anything that that's like when people say you know when someone in a in a larger body is like puts a video on tiktok and then you, they get all these comments of like you're promoting obesity no they're they're just they're just living their life they're just like showing a video of their body like of them living their life it's not promoting anything it's the same thing here it's not promoting yeah. I mean, what is oh, i don't know start it out tories <laughs> so let's get into a little bit of context surrounding the time period so we can better understand the introduction of the law and its reaction homosexuality between men was decriminalized as a result of the sexual offenses act in 1967 and just a side note i still can't believe that's really quite recent for you know to to be gay was illegal up until 1967 that's literally the year my mum was born sorry mum I don't mean to out how old you are but um, <laughs> I'm sure you won't mind um but yeah like I just, but it puts it in comparison like how yeah, recently that was it, exactly like that's that's it's not completely lifetimes ago you know that's it's it's crazy to me how it, it was illegal up until so recently but even though it was now legal, gay men still couldn't enjoy the same freedoms as straight men. They had to be over 21, consenting, and engaging in homosexual behaviour could only be done in private, where, quote, no one could walk in. This, what? Oh, gosh. I mean, it's like they're decriminalising it, but they're still having all these rules in place as if it's still something so dangerous and, like, harmful. But how is that? How is why does it have to be in private? How is two men holding hands down the street any different from a man and woman holding hands walking down the street? Like, yeah, I feel like the whole thing, like done in private, it's seen as like a protection measure. It's like, yeah, oh, because uh-huh. like we did, like, in we did criminal, uh, like, law and theory uh, that semester there. And one of the things was like the harm principle, and I did find it really interesting. It's like, should you only criminalize something that's like inherently offensive? and like harmful and to, other, to other people yeah and it's like what what is offensive what is harmful because to me seeing a gay couple is not offensive at all but to someone else they, they think that it is which I don't get why like you know um I, I just yeah and it's like yeah it's like they're trying to it's like okay you can do this but we still don't want to see you do it we still don't want to we're still going to act as if you're you're not actually doing it do you know what I mean because you have to do it in private so it really didn't level the playing field all that much. And prosecutions for gross indecency tripled in the 10 years following the Sexual Offences Act. Gay men literally couldn't even hold hands in public. So, you know, it's like, how is that gross indecency? I feel like there's going to be a lot of, like, me <laughs> in this episode just being like, how, how is this even allowed to happen? Um, so just be prepared for that, guys. Um, I'll try not to get too hot and bothered here. Um, but the general attitude towards homosexuality was one of suppression. The public did not want the 
gayness in um, air quotes to get out of control. <laughs> Why does that it's, regularly again, sound like a joke you would hear on TikTok these days? Honestly, like, it's as if it's like so. They're treating it. This language is very, very reminiscent of the way that politicians talk about the pandemic and they're like, you know, we need to suppress the virus and we yeah. need to contain the virus. <laughs> this is what this is like. Oh, gosh. Um, I would just like to make clear I am not comparing homosexuality to a virus. <laughs> they are not the same. Um, please <laughs> don't get that twisted. Thank you. You're like that please don't come out and cancel for this in 10 years. Oh, oh my God. Um, but the first British gay pride rally was held in London in 1972, where a thousand people marched from Trafalgar Square to Hyde Park. And in 1980, Lionel Blue became the first openly gay British rabbi. That same year, the UK's first television series targeting a gay audience was aired called Gay Life. A Change of Sex was also aired on BBC Two, which followed Julia Grant on her journey as a transgender woman. Labour MP Chris Smith became the first openly gay politician in the UK Parliament in 1984, and the following year, the gay black group received council funding for the Black Lesbian and Gay Centre in South London. In 1985, Margaret Roth, an out lesbian, was elected as the mayor of Manchester. So, as you guys can probably tell, before Section 28 was enacted, attitudes towards homosexuality were actually evolving across the country, particularly in like more liberal circles. Like it was the 80s. It was like, do you know what I mean? It was a bit more of like of a wild time. And people yeah. were becoming like a lot more accepting. There was legal changes, prominent public figures were like openly identifying with the LGBTQ plus community. And there was increasing queer culture represented in the media, which meant that like you know, the country was becoming more progressive. However, conservative attitudes towards same-sex relationships were still incredibly prevalent. Many have viewed the introduction of Section 28 by the Tory government as a political play. 75% of the population at the time felt that homosexual behaviour was always or mostly wrong. Only 11% actually believed it was never wrong. And the Conservative Party prided themselves on being a party based on traditional moral values. So they managed to use all this to paint the Labour Party as an organisation that enabled AIDS and let gay individuals into power. Do you not think this, this sounds like something you would... This just does not sound like this country this was only like what uh, what year are we in now like 40 years ago not even 40 years ago like 30 years ago more like so the, you know wait what year is it it's 2021 oh okay. so it's is, it is like 40 years ago I just like it really sounds like something that would have I could imagine in like the 20s but this is just, it's so, so recent for 75% of the population to think that homosexual behaviour was, like, mostly wrong. It's a staggering number. I think it is mental as because we are still in that age where, like, I don't think, obviously, it won't be the same when we are grandparents, but we're still in that age where, like, our grandparents will say, like, they ought to be fine. You're a bit like, oh, mm. you can't say that anymore. Like, yeah. I always think that's a good generational comparison. That's how recent yeah. this was. Exactly, yeah. There's that as it shows how much things have changed in a relatively short period of time. Because yeah, you're right. Like your 
Instagram page. You'll say something, and you're like, oh no, don't say that. You're like, no, um, it's not allowed. And they don't. They sometimes don't genuinely realize what they're saying is wrong because they were brought up yeah. in a time like this. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a completely because of like the environment that they were brought up in. Um, yeah, and it just shows like how different things are from a, a really really short period of time. So clearly attitudes towards same-sex relationships were not generally accepting across the country. However, we can identify two significant events that led to the introduction of Section 28. Firstly, the HIV epidemic was beginning to take hold. Cases were steeply increasing across the US and soon the rest of the world. By the mid-80s, almost 50 people had died after contracting the disease in England. Just one year before the introduction of Section 28, there were over a thousand HIV patients in England. In 1984, it was discovered that HIV led to AIDS, a fatal disease. Scientists identified that cases of HIV were significantly higher in gay men, and the disease began to be known as gay-related immune deficiency, which unsurprisingly introduced a sense of fear towards gay men amongst the general public. They literally would refer to this disease as the gay plague. Well, this is like just recently, gay men have been allowed to start giving blood like normally again. Yeah, yeah. And like, that, I, that is, you're so right. I completely, didn't for, I completely forgot about that. Um, I remember, yeah, that's really recently. And I remember thinking like, what, 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 do, you, what do you mean? Like the rules were different? Like what? Like um, I always used to get into pure like things because I was always like, I don't understand how that genuinely can be law. They have to like be, I can't remember if the law was that they either weren't allowed to or they weren't, they weren't to have had sex and like passed it, like someone can correct me whatever one that is because I'll be wrong about one of them. But either way, I was like, that is so deeply personal and all that to have yeah. to ask someone like, the fact that it's like straight away that they're going to do a good thing, they're giving blood and it's all, it's just a stigma, like straight yeah. away being like, oh, you, you've got a heightened chance, like no. I know it's it's it honestly it really does baffle me. I remember when um I was this was it was like the episode of Grey's Anatomy like I don't know what season it was because I've only seen up to like season I don't even know how many seasons are on. I think I've seen up to like season thirteen. But anyway, this is like a really old episode and there's like there's like a flashback to this time and one of the characters was like working at, in the hospital when like the HIV epidemic was going about and they showed like just how like the attitudes towards the whole thing because it was known as like this gay plague um yeah and it's just it's it, I mean it is kind of reminiscent of the pandemic and that people were calling it like the Chinese virus and there was all this oh god I... you know oh, oh, the abuse towards the Asian community was just absolutely disgusting um so of course unsurprisingly this gay plague was bound to increase the prevalence of homophobia within the country. HIV was seen as a punishment towards gay men as a result of immoral or unnatural behaviour. I think as well this just highlights like how much kind of religious and moral views impacted people and even politicians um, you know in the country because I think now there's a much stronger separation of like church and state here but like this was viewed as a punishment from god for being gay like just and that was completely accepted whereas now i feel like if if someone in a, in a position of power or you know someone quite respectable said something like that you would be like 
well not everyone believes in god like why do you know what i mean but this was like such a, a widespread belief that oh it was so moral and it's so against like god's will or whatever no um, i think you're totally right i think that in a lot of the country well uh, not a lot a lot like because also so many countries that uh, still don't have same-sex marriage but i think a lot of the countries that are really really strict on it it's all religious based yeah like it's all completely which, like church and state still being combined which i would say to an extent we still do have in this country but nowhere near the way we did back then yeah definitely because yeah this wasn't just a view that was held by you know members of the public doctors scientists the government and the media all held this belief that gay men were somehow complete being immoral and were being punished and widespread misinformation and stigma perpetuated homophobia across the country Another prominent development that led to Section 28 was the publishing of a book called Jenny Lives with Eric and Martin. And this was written by a Danish author, Suzanne Boschny, in 1983. The book actually aimed to educate children on the various types of family relationships. Through the story of Jenny, who was a young girl living with her father and his boyfriend, the book was one of the first to kind of openly explore same-sex relationships, but... As you can probably expect, it wasn't very well received by the British public. After it was reported that the book was available at the library of a London public school, a headline from the Sun magazine, which I feel we can all absolutely eye-roll at that. Um, <laughs> I think the fact that I always hold it that in modern studies you're not allowed to use the Sun as a reliable source tells yeah, you everything. Yeah, we, all we need to say is this thing came from the Sun. I don't think we need to say much else. <laughs> And it was in 1986 that read, Vile Book in School, Pupils See Pictures of Gay Lovers. Like, actually can't even say that seriously, but... They're making it sound as if it's some sort of porn. Oh, as if they've got the porn mags out in the middle of it's school. It's a children's book. <laughs> what? It's literally called Jenny Loves Me. <laughs> <laughs> the magazine contended that the book was promoting homosexual propaganda a view which then became widespread across the media, government and the church. And like the right-wing media had an absolute field day demonising this book. Some of the headlines and newspaper stories about it are truly troubling. One reported, save the children from bizarre sex things. And the article actually went on, which I think is always a horrific thing that people do. Like, And it's, I think it still goes on today, but to compare homosexuality to paedophilia, like how 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 can you even equate those two things? Like, like I think it's like I genuinely was watching that. See the Lutheran one, like the West Batro Church. Mm. Like I genuinely think it is horrific how that still goes on. People, and I know they're obviously extremists, but yeah. people genuinely see it along the same scale. And obviously, it's not at all. I know. I truly don't understand how you can hold such beliefs. It's. I mean, okay. I'm not really a religious person kind of anymore. I kind of was when I was younger. Like, you know, you know, when you're like, you go to church when you're weak because your parents like kind of yeah. used to church. Um, but like, um, I wouldn't really call myself a religious person. But like, I just, the Catholic church is so problematic. We've literally got really senior people in the Catholic church, convicted pedophiles. Okay. Convicted pedophiles. Yeah. But you're worried about two men being together. Is that really... Where are those priorities, Sam? Like, like, what is... Oh, call out your own before you call out anyone else. Like, yeah, please. Like, sort out your own shit before you start 
you know, the, the, the religion and Catholicism or, or Christianity is supposed to be all about like loving each other and loving your neighbor, but you have so much hatred for two people that are just, you know, trying to live their lives and just trying to, like, they're just trying to be happy. Like, if, oh, I'm getting really riled up, but you know, <laughs> the, um, I just, I really, the, the hypocrisy of the whole thing is truly baffling. And it's the fact that, you know, I, I could say, oh, at least this was, you know, 40 years ago. This isn't just 40 years ago. This shit still goes on today. Like, you know, these there's so many people that still have these exact same attitudes and these same values. You know, this isn't just like a thing in history that we can be glad is over. It most certainly isn't at all. Um, so, yeah. yeah. We've still got a few more pages of this to go, guys. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still probably a few more rants incoming. Um, so, of course, rightly so, the rule brought in by Section 28 was met with widespread protests from LGBTQ plus campaigners. In fact, Section 28 led to one of the most successful civil rights movements in modern British history. On the 2nd of February in 1988, lesbian activists abseiled into the House <laughs> of Lords after peers voted in support of the bill. I have never been prouder to be a woman. <laughs> no, do you know who else I love that does stuff like this? I don't know if they're still about, right? But see, Fathers for Justice, like the ones that dressed up as superheroes, like, yes. I'm like yeah, yeah, you promote the cause, babe. I'm like, yes, love it. I know. I mean, abseiled, I've seen the House of Lords, built, like, the building, like, abseiled, that's insane, man. Some real bad bitches there. I'm just like, <laughs> impressive um and on the this is this one i love um on the 23rd of may in 1988 the eve of section 28th coming into force the bbc was stormed by lesbian activists during the six o'clock news so that's probably like their most watched program like everyone watches the news at six but yeah that's when you like sit down home. for dinner and stuff yeah what? you come home from work you put the six o'clock news on Activist Boan Temple described the ambush. The activists waited until the live light came on once inside the building and then ran into the studio sporting t-shirts that said, Stop the Claws. One woman even handcuffed herself to the camera and one to the news desk where she was held down by Nicholas Witchell, who has since apologised for his aggression. I mean storming the bbc like right when the news is on i just we just love to see it we, we, you know, we you've honestly got no choice but to stand uh, exactly and on the 20th of february in 1988 in manchester a march took place with 20,000 people turning out to protest the law and this was one of the largest lgbt demonstrations that has ever taken place in the uk one of the lead organizers of the march, Paul Fairweather, described how him and the Northwest Campaign for Lesbian and Gay Equality attended gay bars and clubs to stop the music and speak about the march and get people to support and to support um, them trying to stop Section 28. He stated that the entire community was being threatened with fears of their safety and attitudes of the police force. Ian McKellen also came out as gay to fight against Section 28's instruction. I had no idea he was gay. Like, when I, like, I had no idea. Oh, did you not? Um, no. I feel like I was under a rock. I just read that in the yeah. research and I was like, wait, what? Um, I love Ian McKellen. Like, yeah, he's a, he's he's a, so, he's like a guy. Yeah, like the way he speaks, I'm, I feel so safe. Like, when you, you know, <laughs> he's got a very comforting presence. Yeah. Um, and he came out knowing that 
this could ruin his career and this is the thing like at the time something like that being gay and he was you know quite a up-and-coming actor but that could have really derailed his career but he felt so strongly to protest this law that of course he had to do that and this is my favorite part oh wait no we're not in my favorite part yet my favorite part's come up um <laughs> where was it? i was talking about you Michael. um yeah this like, could have totally derailed his career but he was like no this stupid law is more important Section 28 even inspired songs by Boy George and, I'm sorry, Chumbawamba? Is that how you say I think, that? I think it's Chumbawamba, I think. I've never heard of this um, artist, so I'm just going to let that slide. Someone else can correct me if you are a fan, because should I listen to them? Maybe I should. Um, and Michael Cashman, this is my favourite part. Michael Cashman, who is now a Labour MP, but at the time was acting on EastEnders as one of the first gay characters in the soap, he attended a London march protesting Section 28. And a little side note about EastEnders, um, I never really watched EastEnders much, like ever. Um, I was an EastEnders stan, were you in can't EastEnders? lie. I feel, like, I feel like you were either like EastEnders or like Coronation Street. There was like the kind of rivalry between the two. Yeah. I think it was more... Corey, but then it kind of got shit. I don't really watch it anymore, but like you know. Um, so anyway, EastEnders actually showed the first ever gay kiss. I mean, it feels kind of cringe. It's not. It was a kiss on the forehead, okay, and it still had to get cut after section because section twenty eight came in. But um, Michael Cashman said that June Brown, who played the beloved Dot Con, oh. um, I love Dot Con. There's that club of like in the car. Even though it was just like that car. <laughs> um, iconic, iconic scene. Um, but Doc, not well, not actually Doc Con, but the woman that plays Doc Con um, helped Michael get the time off work or the time off rehearsals to attend the march and said to him, don't get arrested, dear. Oh, so wholesome. We stand, we stand June. I think she's, is she dead? No, this is the thing. Every, right, I think since I've watched EastEnders, right, every single time you talk about her, people say, oh, is she dead? No, I honestly think she'll live to 100. Like, she is... I think because people think that she... Because and literally every single dead? clip I've seen... Right, I'm looking it up right now. Because every single clip I've I seen say this, that... smoking a fag. No, she must have been one of the people that started smoking when they were 12. Oh my god, she's still alive. Yeah, I thought that and then I started doubting myself. I was like, wait. There, there you go. Oh, I said, well done, June. I would have, I know. I mean, there you go. That's that, that's what you get for not being a homophobic piece of trash. That's okay. so true. Honestly, see people who just mind their own business, they live long, yes, healthy exactly. lives. Yes, exactly. Long, healthy lives. So the community were made to feel like second-class citizens. You know, they were that they were somehow less worthy and that they didn't deserve full equality. It was as if the state wanted to remove them from society completely. Mariska Greenwood, chief executive of LGBT Health and Wellbeing, stated that Section 28 crystallised prejudice under the guise of protecting children. This, I think, absolutely hits the nail on the head. Like, they... It was completely a homophobic piece of legislation, but they were using this whole idea of, oh, we're just trying to protect children. That means it's okay. It's like when people say, you know, they use their religion to justify being a hateful person. Like, it's just my beliefs. It's just my religion. No, you're just not a nice person. Like, you can't use that. It's not an excuse. 
And David Cameron, whatever you think of him, <laughs> um, but he did issue an apology for the introduction of Section 28. And the law now has the reputation as one of the most controversial laws ever introduced. I think it's also really important to like, talk about the impact the law had on teachers at the time as well. Retired school teachers, Tim Puntis, stated that the victims in the end were the LGBT children. They couldn't turn to anyone. Puntis this, I think, is a good point. Sorry, I'm just going to dive in because this just came into my mind. Like... I think everyone had that teacher in school that you could talk to, like about, yeah. you know, and I feel like I everyone listening that will just popped into their head, like who it is. Yeah, I know. And you're probably thinking of that teacher. Imagine, like, you know, if you're struggling, especially something with like your sexuality or like um, your identity, like that can really, really burden people and it can be really difficult to deal with. And, you know, having for some people that support system that is a teacher, like a, someone that you can confide in, and not even having that, like, especially if it's someone that like you know would help you but like legally they can it's just it's crazy it's like you know the kid who's already anxious and nervous enough more stress being like i can't go to them because it can put their job on the line yeah exactly it's so much unnecessary stress just completely unjustified puntus himself actually was a gay man working in state schools which for anyone listening outside the uk is publicly funded schools and he worked in Edinburgh at the time when Section 28 was enforced. His account details self-censorship in schools because the law was actually open to various interpretations. And this is like the case with most laws. Legislation is like purposely really vaguely worded to like loopholes and stuff. And schools were able to kind of interpret the law as firmly as they wished. Puntus described normalisation of homophobia as a result of the Section 28, which obviously was unsurprisingly like that was you presume government aim, and stated that the homophobia I faced was the worst he'd been subjected to since the decriminalisation of same-sex relationships in 1967. According to Puntus, and I'm sure many of you will agree, Section 28 represents a huge step backwards in regards to LGBTQ plus rights at a time like when obviously things seemed like they were getting better, attitudes and perspectives were evolving. Everything just genuinely was much more inclusive. Eventually, however, after being in place for 15 years, the law was abolished in Scotland in 2000 and, and then in 2003 for the rest of the UK. Baroness Knight, who was largely behind the introduction of Section 28, apologised if the law had brought offence to anyone and stated that, once again, it's like using kids as a scapegoat for your own like, homophobic views, stated that our primary focus was the, quote, well-being of children. This came 30 years after the law was originally enacted. So you may be wondering, well, why are we bringing all this up now? How is this still relevant if the law has been abolished? Well, one of the main focuses of Pride Month is to educate ourselves on the historical struggles of the LGBTQ plus community. But this law wasn't in place lifetimes ago. This is very recent history and its effects are still felt by individuals today. Drag performer Davina DeCampo, aged 35, discussed the topic on Drag Race UK just last week, recollecting that her teachers were too scared to discuss LGBTQ plus issues and stated, the teachers felt like they couldn't talk about it. Nothing was said about gay people at all. 
this isn't just something that we'll read about in history books. I mean, Davina's literally 35 years old. That is, that's like, that's not old at all. That's not like a grandparent. That's not like, you know, that's... Yeah, it's not really... out of reach. Like... No. So this is really, the effects of this are still being felt by people today that aren't old. Like, it's not something, it's not like your grandparent, like, recollecting on their youth. Like, this is people all out, you know, similar ages to us. Homophobia is still alive and well in the UK today, and worryingly, schools are no exception. 71% of LGBT young people have experienced bullying at schools because of their connection to the LGBT community. And what's perhaps even more alarming is that this instances of this kind of bullying have increased. The figure was 60% in 2007 and rose to 69% in 2012. Sadly, 9% of LGBTQ young people and 27% of transgender young people have left education as a result of homophobia, biphobia and transphobia at school. I just, I, just, I think that's so sad because like no one should ever, like I think genuinely education is such a tool, see, especially for people yeah. who are in poverty or it's just a tool to get to where you want in life and the yeah. fact that they have to sacrifice it to be accepted. It's, like, it's why, I know it sounds silly, why like, I think it's so important to fund schools and stuff because it really can give people a support system maybe don't have at home or in other parts of their life. And they've had to sacrifice their education in order to be accepted for who they truly are. But work is being done to try and undo the damage that Section 28 has left. Young people in Scotland are supported by LGBT Youth Scotland and their LGBT Charter Programme. The programme involves training, policy reviews and resources to make sure that schools are adhering to their legal obligations and that LGBTQ plus students are represented in education. The programme has been very popular with many schools on the waiting list to undergo the charter programme, including primary schools. And in 2018, Scotland made history by becoming the first country in the world to introduce mandatory teaching of LGBTQ plus issues within the curriculum across all state schools. Of course, this was a significant step in the fight for more LGBTQ plus representation within education, largely down to the work of TIE, Time for Inclusive Education, a Scottish charity founded by Liam Stevenson and Jordan Daly in 2015. The charity aims to fight against homophobia, transphobia and biphobia in schools through LGBT inclusive education. And recent research conducted by the charity found that 9 out of 10 LGBT pupils had experienced homophobia at school and 42% had made attempts on their lives as a result of homophobic or transphobic bullying, which is a truly staggering and really upsetting yeah, figure. And this addition to the curriculum would give further training to teachers on how to address LGBT issues, such as same-sex families and the history of LGBT rights movements in the classroom. But, of course, this is not a development felt by the rest of the UK, it's just happening in Scotland. And some schools even censor LGBT literature and media. I think it's important to talk about Catholic schools in this situation because... I, I didn't go to a Catholic school. I went to a Christian school, but it's not the same. Um, but yeah, I didn't go to a Catholic school, but I have heard 
this is a this is a real thing that I have heard from someone that went to a Catholic school that said their sex education was girls basically just being told to close their legs. Like that was that was the sex ed. Like I as someone who went to a Catholic school, it's basically that. Like Yeah, I, like who I just thought there was taught? no like I remember one time going into RE and literally it was just pictures of like ASTIs and the thing. Like oh. it was genuinely like, it was the worst. And abstinence was totally what you were taught. It was like, yeah. oh, it was like, yeah, like, try and save yourself from marriage. Like, and that literally was only like heterosexual sex. There was no, and I yeah. mean, I genuinely cannot think of a single time that I learned about other sexualities, like at all. No, I mean, I, um, yeah, I went to a Christian school and there wasn't really, from what I could remember, I don't think there was really anything spoke about homosexuality at all. Like, I don't think there was, not that it it wasn't like you know oh you shouldn't do that but it was like yeah I don't remember because we did have some form of sex ed obviously but you, you have like the biology stuff right yeah I, but like about like how babies happen and all that stuff but like you know in terms of like sexual health I don't really remember much being taught about say you know homosexual like relationships I don't um yeah so I don't know I mean it's it's a, you know sex education I think is so important and I don't like it so it seems so taboo but it's like how do people not accept by now that you're not talking about something doesn't mean that the problem isn't there like or that kids aren't good at as I'm not saying it's a problem but like if if you don't just by not talking about sex do you think the kids aren't going to do it like well that's how not being funny Catholic schools got a higher rate like back like back in the day not yeah. as bad now but back in the like 1980s I've had a much higher rate of teenage pregnancies not as like normal but like, had a much higher rate of like, young girls and that was because yeah. they weren't taught about they literally didn't rate. know yeah it's like it's as if you think the only way that you're not talking about it would have any sort of effect is if, is if, if like they already knew and they already had those beliefs that they didn't want to engage in sexual behavior. But these kids weren't taught anything. They didn't know anything because you know you're you're not gonna talk. Your parents aren't gonna talk about that stuff with you. Like you know, it's, sex was such a taboo thing back then. So they didn't know anything anyway to make those kind of opinions for themselves. So like you're not talking about it in schools. It just doesn't. It just makes the problem worse. It's not gonna actually solve anything. So Scotland once again paving the way. <laughs> I mean, it is, this is a, this is, I think is a really good development. I mean, we've, you know, we've got like the whole thing about the free period products for all women or all um, individuals that have periods, um, which is, you know, again, the first country in the world. We're really just, we just love to set records over here. We, we, do, just we're love to, that. We, we just love to make history. We make a habit of it. What can I say? Nicola's, she's just there. She's, <laughs> she's on it. I think it's also really important to consider as well whether a law that's similar to section 28 could ever be introduced again in the UK you would hope that it was impossible with like equality and acceptance of all individuals becoming more widespread however as the conversation on LGBTQ plus issues is increasing so too are the homophobic and transphobic ideals refueling themselves not just amongst individuals but also through mainstream media for instance trans rights are being discussed a lot more However, depictions of trans individuals are becoming like increasingly worrying. Public bathroom, this, this argument actually gets me right. 
public bathrooms are becoming viewed as unsafe trans women yes are... I, re- I, re- I want to unpack this public bathrooms thing right because it does my head in like See, when, <laughs> when someone is like oh but i like when they, they don't want someone in the bathroom that like has a penis or whatever right say like, well how do you know that how do you know they have how do you know, how do you know? you're gonna ask like you're gonna you're going are you peeking are you looking? Are you putting your head over the stall? Like, how do you know? Do you know like, why? I went into my first seeing the local. I don't know if you know. See, when you're coming off the motorway, like to go to the West End, on mm-hmm. and it's like the lo- I think it's called the local, and it's like a tiny wee pub, right? And I really, it's like I would they say it's like purely like a wee indie pub, right? But it is like kind of off the edge. I went into the toilet and there was two guys standing there, and straight off I went to go, oh sorry, like, um, like wrong, and I realised I literally. It was completely fine. We used our own stalls, yeah. as you would do with other girls in the toilet when you've had a wee drink, you were having a wee laugh. But I genuinely was like, "This is how it should be." Why are toilets exactly. gendered? Like, why? Like, I mean, I can, I can understand. Like, well, I guess it's like you just because we've grown up with gendered bathrooms, you just you do think that's the norm. But like, if I'm in a stall myself, it really doesn't matter do what it? genitalia the person in the stall next to me has. No. I physically couldn't care like, less. If you, I th- it, yeah, because whatever you have, if you have a willy, if you don't have a willy, I, that doesn't determine whether or not you're going to like attack me. You know, yeah, it's not that's it's not to do with your genitals that you make that decision. It's because you're a shitty person that you make that decision. So like, just because someone you know maybe has a penis doesn't mean that they're a threat. I know that's a, might sound strange coming from me, the raging <laughs> feminist, but here we are. <laughs> I think as well it just fused the idea that like trans people are like, inherently so much more sexual and like it's just like they're yes. so sexually charged like they can't help themselves like mm-hmm. it just fused that idea and like I I just believe in like non-gender toilets like I don't I really honestly yeah. like, that day did pure because it took me a pure minute when I walked in and I was like do you know what this is actually so not that I didn't think it was before yeah. but I was like this is so funny. Yeah I think again it's just like that whole because you've grown up you're so used to um, you know having gender toilets that you think that there can't be any other way but then it's like if you drill down to it well why not why why not why don't trust each other in the first place look. yeah to because you know there what I'm thinking of this there must have been a reason for it but they must have thought that they had to separate you know men and women but then I'm like if we can all just trust each other to not like do you know do anything if we can all just be decent human beings why is it a problem yeah, I just oh, the argument really does get it's like the whole prison argument, and I'm genuinely like present me the stats, please present yeah. me the stats that in tra- <laughs> like in prison, trans. Show me the evidence. Yeah, like have you seen that TikTok? And it's the guy and they're talking about the whole underagers and clubs thing, and it's like he's proper mm-hmm. like taking the piss, and it's when you get men and they're like, and she's fifteen and she's in a club and like it's ruined that man's life, and everyone's like, sorry, can you actually show me, like when yeah. when this happened? But and it's like. I just totally agree in that, like when people pure make up these like moral panics about things and stuff. Like Yeah, but like can you actually show me that this is a real thing? Like is it a it's a real problem? It's the same claim that like, children are being like indoctrinated into becoming trans through popular culture. Like oh, I don't think God, people get how difficult it is to actually transition. Like it's I know, and it's like it's like when they say, Oh, I don't want, you know, a gay couple on the TV because then that's gonna make my kids gay. Like that's not what you're but, making your kids gay. 
gay exactly gay kids have been watching straight people on tv far more than gay people and they're still gay <laughs> like it's not i just why do you think that seeing someone like a guy kiss another guy on tv is gonna turn your child gay like what i just and then you're right like it transitioning is a huge thing it's like a it's you know it's a lot that someone goes through it's not just something that they like see you know they see it once on a tv show and they're like oh okay i'll do that like what i honestly don't get it and i think this is kind of coming down to like deeply ingrained homophobic beliefs that stems from like, the same kind of homophobic hysteria that was witnessed when section 28 was introduced and in reality support for trans people is really still not adequate gender recognition processes are timely and degrading and there's actually only two NHS gender clinics in the UK which have massive um, long waiting lists which leave many vulnerable to ongoing harassment and violence. One painful example is that of a transgender woman who was granted asylum in New Zealand in 2017 on humanitarian grounds after it was accepted that if she returned to the UK her life would be in danger as a result of transphobic abuse and discrimination that she was regularly a victim of i think that is shocking that is that shocking she's moved across the world the other side of the world we're also meant to be like a first world that like, alex you know exactly. we're meant to be proper we're meant that, to be all just... accepting that and like she when you think of humanitarian in asylum you don't think of having to leave the uk yeah no exactly i mean this was only four years ago what the hell like that's it's astonishing if it is. And furthermore, recent research by the British Humanist Association found that at least 50 schools in the UK still had policies in place which were similar to Section 28. So while we have come a long way, opportunity for further discrimination I definitely think remains. So clearly there's still a lot to be done. But we hope you guys enjoyed this little insight into the history of LGBTQ plus issues in this country and why Pride Month continues to be so important. And lastly, we would just like to remind you all that everyone, no matter who you are, guys, girls, gays, guys, gals, non-binary pals, <laughs> you are all loved and accepted here at Legally Crimed. I know it's hard, it's, it's baffling, especially think like some people are so comfortable with their sexuality, some people aren't, like their gender, their identity, like, and it's a hard, like, Pride Month is much as it's a celebration, it's hard, like, it's for some people. It can be a hard mean? month for a lot of people, and it can, it can be difficult to see so much of, you know, of people accepting themselves and celebrating, you know, who they are and their sexuality and their, their identity when you're really struggling with that. So just, you know, just keep keep going. You don't have yeah. to prove yourself to anyone. You just have to make yourself happy. And as long uh, as you're happy with yourself, then no one else matters. Fuck everyone Exactly. Else. I don't think when it comes to sexuality or gender or not, don't owe anyone anything. Like, you don't. You don't you want have to, to come put yourself out? in a box either. Yeah. You want to come, come out, out, you come out. Don't come out if you don't want to. It's really all up to you. You don't have to label yourself as anything. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. You're yeah. just you, and that's enough. Oh, I, I even like that job. Like that. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
so guys that's us for this week we obviously a bit different I really enjoyed it like, I really enjoyed this week I really I liked unpacking like I liked doing a little bit of the kind of historical stuff but I also liked unpacking a law as well that was actually a place um yeah I really enjoyed this kind of this little detour this week so guys um we hope everyone has a good uh, safe right month we hope everyone's doing well um, we're always here on like Instagram as well. Like I was, I was about to go into my feel about the socials, but we are obviously here if anyone wants to speak about anything. We're not obviously experts and stuff, but just important to put a line out there for if anyone is either yes. struggling with their sexuality or their gender, we can even try and help direct you to someone Absolutely. who knows a bit more than us. There's um, always someone to talk to, even if you don't. Sometimes you don't even want advice. You just want to get the feelings out. And yeah, that's fine. That's our dms all that are completely open for that absolutely so following on from that follow us on all the socials guys leave us a wee review on apple Podcasts as prayer you know the script <laughs> <laughs> and we hope everyone has a really lovely week and we shall speak to you soon bye thanks guys bye